Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Having a bet on the footy this week? Top this. Top Sport have hundreds of markets to choose from across the AFL, NRL and rugby. So whether you're into the big goals or the big hits, there's something for everyone. And Top Sport will let you on for plenty. Top that. Download the app today and bet on your game your way. If you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Visit topsport.com.au. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Gamble responsibly. If you're interested in the best prices, the best service and the most markets, Top Sport is for you. Hey, when you join, use the promo code UNFILTERED and you'll be given the VIP welcome. You'll be treated like kings. Only a few weeks till finals footy for eight groups of supporters. It is the shits. For another eight, it's the best time of year. This is the podcast where we talk with the superstars, not about them. The only podcast in rugby league that does. We've got 12 different footy legends on this episode, from Cody Walker to Robbie Farrah, Josh Kerr to Lachlan Croker. It's an all-star cast again. We'll talk footy. We'll talk shit too. Good shit, that is. The boys open up big time on what could be the most stacked episode yet. Welcome to the Rugby League Superpod. You've been warned. One of the game's great combinations, only a couple of seasons old, Cody Walker is one that Latrell Mitchell is always looking at and always looking for. Cody joins us. What is it about Latrell that makes him so special, Cards? How far out? I, I, I suppose, you know, watching him play um, before he came to the club, you just, you just be, I suppose, amazed at what he can do with the footy. Mm. Um you know, there's sheer size of him. Um, the yeah, he's way a big he can human, sort of, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. Um, but just the way he sort of um, can read a defensive line as well, yep. like when he's one-on-one, he knows how to beat you, you know, inside or out. You just don't know what he's, you know, what he's going to do. But then moving him to fullback, you sort of, <laughs> you sort of realise this, I suppose, this skill level that he's got is just unbelievable. Um, he can throw a cutout ball from left to right, thirty meters, and do it on the other side of the field. It's just, I, I've, you know, I've been playing with, you know, a lot of guys with that type. Of, like Greg, Greg Inglis is always, yep. I suppose, um, he's always compared to Greg, and you know, um, and it's that similarity is always there. Mm. This guy, I just can't. Oh, mate, it's un- unexplainable some of the things he can do. And I'm, I suppose us at the club are just lucky to have him at the club. Like some of the stuff he does at training is just unbelievable. Hey, when it's on, on the field, is it you doing the talking and pointing or is it him? Uh, it's 
probably me, I suppose. Um, I suppose getting clean early ball yeah. or clean ball, um, not just give him early ball for the sake of just giving it to him. You know, making sure that we're digging into the to the defensive line to turn plays in, so he's getting a, a clear, you know, run at the at the defensive line, and you know, he's sort of we're sort of creating space for him because he, you know, nine times out of ten he gets it right. Um, and I suppose that's a combination that um, you know we're always continually growing. Um, yeah, we just need to showcase his skills a lot more. I suppose it's um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Great insight, great combination. Good luck this weekend, mate. Thanks, mate. Galaxyfinance.com.au. Ask for Leanne for a free chat. Imagine this, will you, legends? Starting out your footy career as a fair sort, a backline superstar, and then having a coach ask you to make the move in with the box heads in the scrum. Well, that's what's happened to our guest. From the Sea Eagles, Lachlan Croker has joined us. Mate, I still remember the fresh face from the 20s. You weren't packing into scrums then either. No, that was um, – it feels like it was a long time ago now. <laughs> we um, – playing 20s and, and obviously 16s and 18s and all I ever wanted to do was be a half. And mm. um, at that time, I, I thought I was playing quite well and, and playing some good footy. And then obviously as the years progressed and I started moving into – uh, first grade and reserve grade, things just weren't sort of happening the same way that they were when I was playing 20s. Um, and then obviously with the last couple of years with um, Fozzie coming back and yep. Play Walks was playing and um, and obviously Chess is going nowhere. So it was one of those things that was sort of evolve or, or be phased out and um, footy's all I've ever wanted to do. And if Desi told me to play front row and put on 30 kilos and – I would have been up at three o'clock in the morning having four protein shakes. So it was always, it was never a matter of, um, I don't want to do it. It was more of a, I'll do whatever it takes yeah. to be there. And, and the whole footy ride has been so, there's so much luck involved with it and sliding doors and mm. who's there and who's not there. And um, at that stage, at that point in time, this was, this was the door I had to walk through and um, there was no real way I wasn't going to do it. It was just, uh, one of those things, and I sort of didn't really enjoy it as much at the start, but now it's um I'm so glad I did, and, and I'm I've, I've found a real lease, new lease of life playing in the middle and um learning a new role and, and playing a different a different position in the team. Mate, that's enormous to hear. Love that you're enjoying your footy. The transition, um, a lot of fans, a lot of experts, even so, you know, ah, oh, well, he just moves into dummy half. What's been the biggest challenge, um, the transitioning from halves to hooker? Um, I'd say, obviously, defensively, there's a there's a bigger workload. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that that's no secret. So that was always something that I knew was going to be um, was going to be an issue. Um, and then round one last year against the Roosters at the SCG was um, probably the most nervous I've ever been for a game because I was I knew I was playing eighty minutes and yep. all I wanted to do was get through. That was I just wanted to not be a, a burden in the middle defensively. So that was my first concern. Um, and then it sort of progressed to not being that guy that um, just sort of stood at the ruck and mm. um, passed the ball off the deck and didn't really do much otherwise. Um, and sort of trying to learn the nuances of, of um, deception and all that sort of stuff around the ruck that guys like Happy Kaisi to do so well. It's, yep. um, that's sort of... Um, what I'm looking to next and, and what the next 
um, step for me is, I believe, and um, trying to, yeah, just evolve my game and, and move forward that way more than anything, which I found harder than the defensive load, to be to be honest with you. I didn't really mind that um, defensive aspect of it because there's not a whole lot of thinking in it. It's just whether you're brave enough to get yourself in front, and um, I found that not to be a problem at the moment. Mate, I love asking hookers this. Um, you're a dummy half. You're centre field. You're on a bit of a roll. Your half on the right is calling for it. Your five-eighth on the left is calling for it. And you hear from the back Tommy Travojevic yelling something. Who wins? Last year was Turbo the one. Yeah. And I can't imagine that'll change this year. But um, I figured out pretty early that um, – if I pass it left, I was getting sprayed from the right. And if I pass it right, I was getting sprayed from the left. So, um, right. And then there are times when if, if I go right and Jake's on the left, I'm getting sprayed by Jake. And then Walks comes on and he's playing on the left and he wants the ball and I don't pass to him. And I'm just getting sprayed for 80 minutes. So it doesn't – it's um, it's one of those things that I just find turbo and let him score. And then when they spray me, I just say, well, do you want to score or not? So it's um, – it's interesting, but it's at the end of the day and after the game and stuff, talking about it and laughing about those sort of things yeah. is sort of what makes playing footy so good. You're in the shit. It's just the level that changes. Thanks for dropping in, Legend. Appreciate it. We'll chat throughout the season again. Too easy. Firebrandbarbecue.com.au or call 1-800-FIRE-UP, the immortals of the barbecue world. August 2nd, 2020, a date that will never be forgotten by our guest on the podcast from the Sharkies, and I better give it an up-up. Luke Medcalf joins us. That was debut date. Before we get to the game, who told you you were playing? What do you recall of being told? Um, I sort of remember um, it was because so we were in the um, the bubble. We just got to Brisbane. Um, I think it was like second week we were there, so yep. there was no partners or um, you couldn't like go out and like go to cafes or nothing. Yeah. So we'll just lock down. Um, and I remember sort of Jesse Raymond had a, um, an ear infection he did like during the week. So it was a bit iffy if he was going to play or not. And we're supposed to play on the, um, I think we're supposed to play on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, we were and against Manly we're supposed to play on the Sunday. I'm pretty sure. And Jesse had an ear infection, but then something happened with COVID and then they moved it to the Monday. That's right. They did, yeah. So I was sort of sitting there like, oh, like on the Sunday, I was pretty sure I was playing because his ear was pretty bunged. Yeah. And then I was like, Monday, part of me was like, oh, shit, his ear might be, yeah. <laughs> his ear might be better. Um, but then I just remember like just preparing like on the Sunday night, like I was going to play and then woke up on the Monday morning. So I got moved Monday, then woke up then and we had brekkie and then the coach, um, Josh Henney, just called a meeting at like in the hallway there, just on the level all of Sharky's boys are on. And yep. then um, I saw it in the back of my mind. I knew I was like, cause it was a bit weird. Like they don't just call a meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning, like yep. with the whole squad. And then he's just there and he just like said, Oh, Jesse's not going to be playing. So um, Luke's going to be debuting. And I was, I was oh, so happy. Cause it's just it's a cool feeling. Like you always think about, like, Oh, I wonder how I'm going to get told I'm in a debut yep. and all that stuff. You sort of think what it's going to be like. And it was just cool. I remember um, just calling, my mum and dad call my girlfriend, just yeah. friggin' my nan and pop, just having to go make the rounds and yeah. call everyone who friggin' um, been supporting me and stuff since I was young. So it was, it was pretty cool. And then I remember um, like just driving in, getting to the game, and it was just sort of weird because there was no crowd or anything like that. You sort of yeah. think like Suncorp Stadium was going to be packed, but then there's no crowd or sort of, and against Manly, my old team, like yep. I knew all the boys yep. there. So, um, so yeah, it was pretty cool. 
no crowd. Did it dampen it in any way for you or just didn't matter because you were playing yeah. first grade? Yeah, no, nah, yeah, it didn't really matter. It would have been cool to have like my all my family there yeah. and stuff like that. Like that would have been cool. But um, yeah, I didn't. I was playing first grade. I didn't care. Yeah. I think I probably got like 15, 16 minutes. Yeah. But I was just, yeah, I was just free. And once I, I was just, I warmed up about a thousand times. <laughs> I, just, I was nervous. I just kept warming up. Just kept, and then I remember I, um, I actually, I heard through, like, cause they said like with like 30 minutes to go, um, they were like, well, like just stay warm, like yep. just stay, like stay ready. And then I, I remember I heard through the um, headset. Yeah. Get, um, get, get on. zip on. Oh, that, like, that's my nickname. Yep. It's like, oh, get, um. Yeah, get zip on, and I was like, "Shit!" And I heard it, and I was like, I "Fucking got up before that." Yeah, <laughs> so, love it. Yeah, so I was um, that was that was pretty cool, and it was good to see all the manly boys after too. They were all really happy for me. Um, yeah, so so it was a pretty good day. That's huge, mate. The first game of many, many to come. Thanks for dropping in. Chat again soon. So good, thanks, Andy. This is the part of the podcast where we've put you in charge. You're asking the questions our superstars are giving their answers. Look out. Let's start with the dual international, Matty Rogers. New Zealand's finest, Coggo, asks, do you regret leaving rugby and missing the 2007 France World Cup? No, I don't. I don't. That was... um that was a that was a real mental health issue for me. Um, you know, I just lost my dad, and I was I was living in a real fishbowl down there in Cronulla. And yep. um, you know, if anybody knows Cronulla, if, if you don't live in Cronulla, you don't really go to Cronulla unless you're getting on the train from the west Western Sydney, and yeah. and nobody really goes there, and everybody knows everybody. And if you're a Cronulla local, everybody you know you can't go to Cronulla Mall and have a coffee and not have fifty people mm. come by and say good day. And there was just too many. At that time, there was too much scar tissue there, yep. and I just I needed to leave. And um, unfortunately, it meant I needed to leave the game of rugby. I loved rugby. I mean, I, I love both codes. I mean, it's not. I, it, people ask me, well, "Why do you love the most?" So you got kids? They're like, "Yeah, I'm saying you're boy and a girl. Yeah, so they're both different. Yeah. So which one do you love the most? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, uh, uh, I'm like, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it just I just blessed to have the opportunity to play both. And Premiership winner Matt Geyer. Brett from Kellyville asks, and this is topical, Perth, does a footy team work there or would work there, in your opinion, having been there? Mate, uh, yeah, so short answer, yes, it yeah. will work. Long answer, everyone's going, oh, it didn't work last time. But now we've got the Melbourne Storm model. Yeah. You know, like we're not – you don't use that Perth model. You don't use the Adelaide Rams model, That those failing models. Yep. You've got the Melbourne Storm model, so you take that over there, and it's a there's no more AFL dominated town than Melbourne. Yep. And we took like we haven't taken over that town. You don't have to take over the town. You yeah. know they're getting a hundred thousand home and away games down there, but we're yeah. still surviving. So it's not about it's it's about being everyone's second team. Yep. You know, yeah. or, or having a, having a part in the fabric. You know, you don't have to go and take over the AFL. Mm-hmm. You just have to be part of the town. You have to fo- you find your spot. Find your spot, yeah. and that's where we really essentially didn't over in Perth. And, um, like, over in Perth, well, that was such a big country town over there by then. Yeah. That's all that was. And so since then, that 20 years, that's it's gone gangbusters, the yeah. money and the people and even the even the junior, junior footy's booming over there a little yep. bit more now. So, look, I, I, I wouldn't – I haven't analysed it enough to say, oh, look, they're stupid if they don't go. Yep. I haven't looked at the other bids. 
um, and I'm not going to be the one making the decision in yeah. the end anyway. So I, I just like to sort of sit back and observe. But are they in a better position now than when they were? You Absolutely, bet. Can yeah. it work? You bet. Will Beautiful. it be better for the for the game in the sense with TV rights? Of course it will be. Yeah. And on the back of the great Maddie Geyer, oh, jeez, we've got another great, great man on this week's edition of the Rugby League Superpod. We've got Clarkie from Clarkie's RL column all across social media each and every week. Clarkie makes a call and we agree, we disagree. That's how opinions, that's how arguments start and that's cool. But Clarkie makes the call. We're interested in the call but we're more interested in your responses. Clucky, hello, legend. What was your call this week? G'day, Andy and listeners. Coming off the back of Matty Guy, my uh, year 12 school teacher, so that's an interesting one there. Um, this week, we're talking the toughest blokes in rugby league. So I've come out with my call. I've gone with Jeff Tuvey is the toughest man to ever play first grade. Playing almost 300 games with 75 of those at hooker, the champion gave up size to almost every player. Despite this, he would keep coming, never give up, and never give in. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to be up front with uh, my definition of tough. My definition of tough is the guys that you looked for and looked to avoid. Now, these five guys that I mention here are amongst, I guess, 50 or 100 others that never made 40 tackles a game. They never made 35 tackles a game, and there was a reason because the ball carrier looked up, saw them, and went, holy shit, I want nothing to do with this bloke. So my five, David Gillespie, Wayne Pierce, Les Davidson, Malcolm Reilly, and the great Ray Price. Uh, a lot, though, um, agreed with you in terms of pound-for-pound tubes is the toughest. Yeah, it's an interesting one. There's no set criteria for it. Uh, Ray Price was someone who I saw getting a fair bit of love there. Obviously, a Parramatta Eels legend and one of your all-time favourites there. Um, one here, Andy, from uh, Instagram user Rakini says, Wally Lewis has got to be up there. He played in whole origin with a broken arm. Now, yep. I'm too young. Is, so is that true? Yeah, uh, it, w- it was a slight fracture of the arm through – this is, if memory serves me correctly, keep in mind, Clarkie, I can't recall what I had for lunch today, let alone what happened back in the 1980s. But, yeah, uh, Wally Lewis, a slight fracture in the arm. Uh, Bob Lidner, famously, famously at the SCG in one of Queensland's greatest victories, hobbled on for 15 minutes with a broken leg, then got blasted by Wally because he actually went off. Wally didn't know that he'd broken his leg, but Bobby Lidner, that wonderful lock forward second rower, um, yeah, that that goes down in the history books. Tony Collazier on Facebook says, pound for pound, nobody beats Jeff Toovey with Paul Taylor second. You're probably scratching your head, young fella, thinking who the hell is Paul Taylor? He was uh, the fullback for the Parramatta Reels during the early to mid-'80s. Very much a Peter Sterling lookalike. The long blonde hair, when Sterling did have long blonde hair and the two would often be confused, only a little fella and very, very tough. Nigel Plum, Todd McGrady says, surely has to be in contention with this. 
Yes, Nigel Plummer would take to the football field looking like a mummy with strapping tape everywhere. And and just on the last comment there, that is the interesting thing here because there's different errors across my Facebook and Instagram followers. You know, you have some of the older gentlemen putting forward um, the legends from um, back in the 80s before people like myself were born and then the modern ones. And I've got a great example of that here. Mason Jones, he's come out with Sam Burgess, played a whole game with a fractured cheekbone and that speaks for itself. I'm going to throw one out here for the older gentleman. What about John Sattler back in the day? playing with a broken jaw, I believe it was, um, in one of the most gruesome injuries, I believe. He went down with the broken jaw and he, he said to his teammates, pick me up, I don't want these, I don't want them to know that I'm that I'm hurt or something along those lines. Mate, uh, sidetracking a little, John Sattler has got to be up there, absolutely got to be up there. John's not in great health at the moment, but I read out the story in his words on the podcast in the back library It is one of the most amazing yarns. He tells in first person what happened that day in the famous 1971 grand final, the emotion, the pain, the whole lot. Then I've actually interviewed a couple of his teammates in Michael Cleary and Bob McCarthy. Superhero tough, superhero tough, absolutely unbelievable. Johnny Sattler, Ryan Wilson, who's a top fan of yours, and I know you're big on top fans, Clarky. He said, I've got Sam Burgess or Shane Webke. Neither you could really argue with either. Yeah, there are so many here that it's they are just it just shows how tough the, the people are that play rugby league, that's for sure. Um, you know, people would say, Oh, combat sports are the hardest sport on the earth, but the difference is between a boxing or a mixed martial arts fight, you're having months off. Footy, you're going every single week. Someone that went every single week, Andy, for me, uh, and from Macapaca as well. Boyd Cordner, and he said it's such a shame he had to retire early. Um, and I guess that's just the nature of concussions and, and what we're going to continue to find out about the sport that it's an injury that you simply can't out tough. You got guys uh, that have all been mentioned. Uh, Jordan Hatter said on Facebook uh, a couple of nominations that you can't argue with. Kevin Campion, Dallas Johnson, John Sattler gets a lot of mentions. Mark Schulman, the only small guy played when footy was brutal. Lance brought that up on on Facebook. Mark Schulman was the small. He was jockey small. He was jockey small. I love this one from Shane Wright. Uh, Peter Wallace, half an origin game with a ruptured testicle and most of the season with a rooted ACL. Either very tough or very stupid. Love it. And one more here, Andy. This is the perfect one to finish off. A quote from the man Jeff Toovey, my selection for the toughest ever, and I'm sure everyone knows exactly what I'm about to say. There has got to be an investigation. And, Andy, I think that's the perfect way we sign off this segment. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Top Sports Same Game Multi gives you the most competitive multiple for every leg. And with hundreds of markets to choose from across sports and racing, you're sure to find a combination unlike any other. And they'll let you on for plenty. So if you want to get the top odds every time, download the app today and bet your way. Top that. Visit topsport.com.au. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Gamble responsibly. And when you join up and if you're serious about your punting, about the best service, about the best price and about the most markets, use the promo code UNFILTERED and you'll be given the VIP treatment. You'll be treated like kings. It's as simple as that. From Top Sport, the top dog, and I hope he doesn't mind me calling him that, Tristan Merlihan has joined us just a couple of weeks to go before semi-final football, mate. 
and uh, future action is still alive and well. Yeah, g'day, and it certainly is. And um, oh, geez, there was some uh, blowouts, weren't there, on the uh, on the weekend? And I'm looking forward to some of the really good games. I'm a little bit nervous about some of the other games where we've got, in particular, Penrith and the Warriors. There were some very, very big scorelines there for some of the teams that that are out of contention. So hopefully they can uh, they can fire up a little bit and, and and show a bit of pride in their jersey this weekend. But yeah, certainly the uh, there's three really high quality games: the Broncos, Parramatta. The Storm and the the Roosters and also the Rabbitohs and the Cowboys. There's a lot on the line, finals positioning, and there's going to be a lot of pressure put onto the teams which lose those games oh, because yeah. there's certainly a, um, a a danger. Some of those sides that have been sat in the top eight for the entirety of the season dropping out if they drop a couple of the games here. you got more markets than anyone else, anywhere else too. Um, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, for those that enjoy a total points bet over or under the line, and we, we spoke, we gave it up a couple of weeks ago. History suggests that towards the end of the year, those that aren't in the eight, uh, their defence probably isn't what it should be. The numbers in two weeks have gone up dramatically on what that overs and unders line is. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely, uh, unbelievably increased. And and we, we've got games there on Sunday where, obviously, day football uh, teams that are both, out, all four of them are out of contention yep. for the finals. Got the feeling it could be a little bit of touch footy. And you've got the Tigers, Dragons, Titans, Knights. Both of those games are in the high 50s, 54 and a half and 55 and a half. Long gone from the uh, magic round and those things where they're in the, in the high 30s. So it's a, uh, a lot of points, but... Yeah, just the way the, uh, the the round paid out last round, you expect there's going to be plenty of scores in both of those games. Quick one. Have we seen numbers this high for overs or unders before in previous years? I can't recall it. I, I really can't. Uh, mid to high 40s, I thought, was about the limit. Yeah, I, I reckon these are probably the highest we've seen for a while because I, I think in, in some games where you've got the real lopsided matches where you've got like a Panthers and, and the Warriors where yep. it is, it's a little bit lower at 51 and a half and the reason being is because, you know, the expectation is the Warriors probably aren't going to be able to score that many points against the vaunted Penrith defence. Um, but in these two games, particularly on Sunday, where both sides are out of contention, the, the betting's reasonably close. There, there's no absolute standout favourites there that you would expect both of the sides to contribute to the scoreline. So, yes, I, I think they are higher than uh, years gone by. I wouldn't expect anything less from the legends at Top Sport, but NRLW markets and a lot of interest too. Oh, absolutely amazing how how much action we've had on the NRLW and, and there was plenty of activity there. The, the the Newcastle Knights obviously signed a couple of key players there in the yep. offseason and they had a very big win there in round one against the formerly high-flying Broncos and we've got plenty of markets and the Broncos are actually in danger going 0-2 here to start the season because they're $1.37 underdogs against the reigning premiers, the Roosters in the opening game. The Knights are favourite to go two and zero as well against the Titans, one twenty, and then the uh, the Dragons are a dollar twenty five. So yeah, it's been really good to see the start of the season, uh, the, the the way it worked out last week. Good couple of games for the NRLW this weekend, round two, of course, mate. For our free bet this week, I am just going four sides head to head. We'd like to go the Eels, the Storm, the Raiders, and the Rabbits. And while you add that up, I will simply say Top Sport has uh, given us the opportunity to make a difference, make a difference to a charity with a bet every week. We've got a little bit of a kitty. Look, I, I've i been slack. 
I suck is another way of terming it. Uh, but we do have a little bit of a kitty, mate. I'd like to have those four head-to-head if I could. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a little bit of cash. We've got $410 in there. And if we can get a result here on the weekend, we can double that. Uh, we've got Parramatta, the Storm, the Raiders and the Rabbitohs. Uh, that works out at $4.70 for 100 So 410 bucks. Hopefully we can keep that uh, ticking on. You get a few more payouts over the back end of the season. Mate, uh, I've got to tell you, um, I'm a little excited. The good horses, the good races are back. We've got the Memsies at Caulfield, the San Domenico at Rose Hill this weekend. What do you like in Melbourne? I am very excited for the Memsie Stakes. Um, we've got a really high-quality field. It's a tricky one to predict because we've got a good horse from Adelaide, Elation coming over first yeah. up. We've got a good horse from WA coming over first up, Western Empire. And then we've got the uh, the winner of the Stradbroke Alligator Blood. We've got Castacadian, which has been very well back, $9 into 7 and also Tefane, eight fifty into seven. Now a lot of these horses are first up, so it's going to be interesting which of them are really wound up for this big race. Which of them have a uh, have an eye on future grand finals later yep. in the uh, in the piece. But yeah, there's a lot of money on on, on the cards, and, and it's going to be a cracker. I think this is going to be a real form line into the into the back end of the spring, and then also the Santa Minico in uh, Sydney, where race nine, best of Bordeaux, it's a very firm favourite. We actually laid some very sharp money. Uh, today on it to win the Golden Rose. Um, it was backed today at um, uh, at $8 into $6. So punters oh. are obviously expecting it to be very impressive there on the weekend in the lead-up race to that. And if it wins it impressively, then it'll probably firm into favourite in the Golden Rose. So if you like it on Saturday, have a look at that Golden Rose market. It's still a little bit of value there um, if, if you think it's going to be impressive. And just for punters as well, not just the big spring races, we've got the Gold Coast Cup on Friday. Little horse there that I've got to share in seat of power. Um, I think it's a big chance on Saturday. It's race six on, on Friday, should I say? Gold Coast Public Gold Coast Show Holiday. Race six, number two, seat of power. I think it's going to run a big race there. It's been very, very consistent and is worth having a little wager. Mate, I'll stay off seat of power because last time you tipped me up on that, I did stay off. You got the collect. So uh, everyone was happy except me, but I'm used to that. Always a pleasure, legend. Uh, Topsport.com.au or download the app. Look, if if you're a punter, uh, whether you're serious or whether you you just like a little bit of a dabble here and there, best service, best prices and more markets. What more can you ask? Topsport.com.au or download the app. Hey, legends, I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. How would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want, and when you want. Next week, we could be promoting you right here. Packages start from as little as a couple of hundred dollars. If you're interested in joining our team, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab. Go to andyraymondunfiltered.com.au.
The Legends series is without a doubt the best insight and interviews in rugby league. I know we're biased, but fact is nothing comes close. The back library of interviews is next level, and the cool thing about our podcast is that the episodes never, ever date. You can listen to any episode at any time. It'll make sense. Download the lot, make your way through them, and enjoy. Let's go back to episodes 193 and 194 with Robbie Farrar. What do you remember about the training session where your two props started throwing hands, Gibbs and Galloway? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a little video uh, video of that still yeah. floating somewhere. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, I don't remember. They were at each other all. Was, we were just in warm-up, I think, and they just kept going at each other and at each other, and Gibbo was having one of them shit days, and, and you can you can get under his skin when he's having a shit day, and, and Keithy was just going at him, and then... And then they, they just started throwing them. You see the video, they're just mate, throwing haymakers. Everyone's running from everywhere to pull them apart. And Gibbo's just, he's just gone, fuck this, I'm going home. Mate, he's going, we're going, Gibbo, you can't go home. He's like, no, nah, fuck. He's gone inside the sheds, put his training bag over his shoulder, jumped in his car in the car park. He's done a massive burnout in the car park and he's just fucking gone home. Yes. <laughs> gone home. Speaking of throwing hands, he didn't mind it when the time arrived on the field. What's the most memorable stink on the field. Yeah, I think obviously everyone will mention the um, the Anthony Watts fight. Um, it's it's funny now uh, that happened in two thousand and nine, I think, twelve years ago. And mate, if I get stopped on the street ten times, I think six or seven times, it'll people it'll be about that fight. People wow. just yeah, people just love it for some reason. Um, they love that moment. Whether I think it's because everyone's no one sort of expected it from me. Mm. Um, yeah, I was. I'd never had that sort of reputation, or you know, I was always that you know, sort of attacking sort of player. But um, there were always question marks over my toughness or my defence and things like that. And um, yeah, I just remember he he sort he sort of king hit me in a scrum at Leichhardt. Didn't know who it was until I saw the replay up on the screen, and um, he didn't get sent to the bin. I said to Shane Hayne that day, I said, "Mate, if you don't do something about it, I will." And we got another scrum um, the next set. We dropped the ball and. Um, and he was just, he was standing at the scrum laughing at me. And I said, I said, I'm going to, I told him straight, I said, I'm going to bash you. And he said, oh, he goes, what are you going to do? Your, your wog C. And I said, oh, all right. And then Shane Hayne could hear us chirping and, and Shane Hayne said, mate, he goes, boys, just keep it short and sweet in terms of the scrum. And I said, mate, don't worry. I will. So I, I packed in and Gibbo, Gibbo was standing there with me. I think him and John Scandalis were our front rowers mm-hmm. and, Gibbo could hear us going at him and Gibbo said, mate, do you want me to build him? I said, no, no. I said, he's mine. I said, you just you just look after their front rowers, make sure they don't get involved and pack the scrum, mate. And I remember I just threw a, a fury of uppercuts. I was, I was filthy, you know, I was, I was filthy. That, and I think I think it had to be done. Yeah. Um, I think I had to stand up for myself. And Agreed. We were down, we were losing that day. Um, after that happened, we came back, ended up winning by 30 points. And, and Royce Simmons gave me our man of the match after the game just for that moment. He said, mate, he said, if you didn't hit him, if you didn't hit him in that scrum, he said, you wouldn't have been worth your grain of salt. So um, and it's funny. Everyone still talks about it. Let's check out some of episodes 172 and 173 with Jason Nightingale. What stands out from grand final week? Um, I, I just, I love reminiscing on those times. It's, it's, it's easy to do. I, I've gone over that time. I love. I get get asked that question all the time, and it makes me makes all these yeah flashbacks come in my mind. And I think it was that 
our little camp Casa del Bondi we had. We had a couple of weeks at um, the Swiss Grand, Swiss Grand, the old hotel that's no longer there, and um, just spending time with our teammates. Um, there was a big we, – we're a great group of people and, yeah. you know, still all speak to all of them at the moment. And, um, yeah, we got to we get to hang out with our mates for two weeks um, at a time where – uh, should have been the some of the most nerve wracking times of our lives. We're, we're not. Um, they were. We were very confident and, and enjoying each other's company. And, and Wayne had us sort of scheduled to a T as far as um, time that we switch on, time that we switch off. And um, yeah, we felt like okay, we're turning up here. We're we're public facing. We're front facing. We're training. And then we get turn off and get on the bus and go back to Bondi and hang out with the tourists. You'd played 26 games that year. You'd scored 16 tries. You'd finish it with a double in that grand final win over the Roosters. Hornby behind Scott and here's Boyd into the back. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Nineteen game that scored for the Dragons. Fiend gets it away. Hornby gets it on. Bounces for Nineteen Gale. He'll do it. He'll do it. He's done it again. What stands out? from the day is it those tries or does it just become a blur when you look back now well it, it, i think it does become a blur but it's a blur of snapshots that you think about quite a, quite often and and very rarely do they do anything other than bring a smile to the face so um yeah i, I remember feeling a, a this wave of energy that just wouldn't leave me um i felt like i could run forever and i felt like i could run through brick walls and i think I'm pretty sure I dropped the ball at the start of the game, and it didn't. It didn't bother me. Like it was like, oh, it doesn't matter. I feel. I felt like my energy was never going to run out, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's. It was. It was bizarre, and I feel like everyone else had that sort of euphoric feeling, and then um, probably getting to the point where that was most of the game, and then the end of the game where we knew we 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 weren't going to be beaten. We had the momentum. Um, and scoring second try, I felt like yeah, we're. We're, I think we're only up by maybe two points or maybe six points, but we were going to be – we weren't going to be stopped. And that's a pretty special feeling once we got past that point where we weren't going to be beaten to be able to enjoy um, playing the game you love on the biggest stage, surrounded by teammates that you sacrificed two years plus worth of work, um, to be there on that, on, on that moment and to be able to enjoy – the game for what it is was very special. It was, it was, there was no nerves at the end of the game. There was just, um, you know, 17 guys playing footy against another 17 guys, 17 guys that were happy and 17 guys that, that weren't. And I think that, that core, the core um, reason we started playing, to be able to enjoy that on the big stage, and um, it, it brought it back to that, which have, didn't happen too often in my professional career. Any episode, any time, and here's your proof. This is from 18 months ago, and the stories and memories actually only get better. State of Origin 2012, Queensland had won game one, 18 points to 10. New South Wales made two changes. In came Anthony Watmo and also our guest, Timmy Grant, who was on debut. How did you find out you'd been selected as a New South Wales Blue, mate? Yeah, it was it was a funny one. It was sort of um, there was a bit of speculation, and you always get a bit of rumbling before the teams out yeah. in the media and that sort of stuff. Um, and my name was thrown up, but I thought it was a bit um, a bit far fetched to be honest, because I'd only played a couple of games that season. Mm. I had a 
had an injury at the start. I played one game and then I was out for about 10 weeks. Um, I missed city country uh, and that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And I come home from recovery. I think we played the day before the announcement and uh, I actually had a bit of a, a bit of a nap, half <laughs> a nap, and I had a missed call on my phone from Sticky. And um, so I called him back uh, when I woke up and he couldn't really talk because he was actually going into the team announcement for um, Channel 9 or whoever it was. And um, he just quickly said to me, he goes, mate, you're in the team and you're starting front row. Um, I'll give you a call back. And that was the end of it. <laughs> Amazing. You were obviously playing at Penrith. Petro Sivanasiva had just left Penrith. He was playing for Queensland in this game. You met on tackle one. Greatest game of all. Episode 95 becomes a reality in front of 84,000 people and millions around Australia and the globe. And Tim Grant with a magnificent opening exclamation to his origin career. I have never seen Petro Sivanasiva put on his backside like that. It was a fair start and a fair welcome to State of Origin for you. Yeah, it was, mate. It was, um, you know, Petro come to the club in 2008 and uh, Penrith have always been known for how um, their quality juniors and the, the type of guys that we had. And our success has always been off the back of local juniors, 91, 2003. And we genuinely thought yeah. that moving forward we could um, – replicate that like the boys are now but um that wasn't to be but we probably needed a, a good mentor we had so many young guys uh, michael jennings um joseph paulos um lachlan Coop, wade graham the list goes on and we probably were just needed a really good mentor and yep. then um maddie elliott uh genius signed petro and um you know it was, it was amazing at the time it was like um it was like petro wasn't real to us out here um you, you know he come to the community and there was a massive buzz that Petro and his family were living here in Penrith in our community and he was playing for our club as well. So it was a massive buzz. And for me as a young front rower and Sam McKendry as well, um, you know, we were 20 years old and had a taste of first grade and to have someone like that lead the way, it was was amazing. And Petro never really would pull you aside and give you a chat or um, teach anything, but he'd just lead by example. All you had to do was watch him, the way he held himself as a bloke and what he did and the way he trained – I learned so much off Pet, and I think it was fitting for me that he left the club, and I think that was the final lesson was to play State of Origin against yeah. him. Um, everyone will remember that that tackle. I think you know I played fourteen years in the game, and people only remember that fourteen seconds. But to be honest, I learned so much from Petro throughout that game, and the, the way you know I think if you looked over it and it was a boxing scorecard, I think he won the match. To be honest, because <laughs> he got me a few few times and. Just the way he represented his state yeah. and what, what footy meant to him, I learned so much. And I guess that was the the final lesson that I learned from him. And, you know, I'll be forever grateful for that. Um, you know, it's it's so significant. Um, everyone remembers me as, um, you know, for that one tackle. And that, that goes to show how big Petro Sivanasiva is. I think if it was anyone else, um, you know, that, that got caught off balance, it would be just a nothing. But because of who he was and his stature in the game, um, that's what I'm remembered by. Quality answer, mate. Real sign of respect for, for Petro, but it also shows the type of bloke you are as well. Um, really quickly, did you line him up or do you reckon he lined you up? Which way was it? I don't think it was anything, to be honest. I um, It just you know, happened. I, I just yeah, it just happened. Dave Taylor and uh, Nate Miles were in the tackle as well, yep. so there was a fair bit of weight behind oh, it. Oh, um, yeah. 
But um, I just remember as kids, um, you know, at home, I'd sit there with my mum and dad and my brother and, you know, like we just loved Origin, loved yeah. New South Wales and just footy. And we, me and my brother would always just hang around the TV for the fights and the, and the kickoff. That's just what yep. we loved, you know, because um, me and my brother didn't have too much skill playing footy. So <laughs> we just like like the rough stuff. But we'd always talk about it like if you got that moment, what would you do? And I just said I'd just grab the ball and run as hard as I could and send it, just send it into it. And either way, you're going to get respect. Like yeah. no one's ever going to bag you for getting knocked out the first carry if you run hard. So that's all I had in my mind. And luckily enough, I caught him off balance and, you know, I actually lost the tackle, got put on my back. So, <laughs> Apart from that tackle, what do you remember or recall most fondly of your origin experiences? Um, probably um, walking into camp, um, it was I was with Luke Lewis and Michael Jennings. We we could come in mm-hmm. from Penrith, um, and Louis gave us a lift in because he, he was like our big brother. And I just got into camp, and I couldn't believe those guys like Glenn Stewart, Brett Stewart, Paul Gallen, all these guys that you know come Origin time. I, I, they, I, I was a fan, like yeah. I used to just hope they would they'd win the game and. You know, it was like my team. That that was my team. As as you know, you see all these guys playing state of origin. I was just walked in, and you know, all these guys like Trent Barrett was in on the coaching staff, and Ricky Stewart. I was just blown away. It was like going into first grade again. It was sort of um, it brings you back to when you first uh, go full time playing footy. It was it was pretty amazing, and I think it was the last of the camps at Coogee. So um, you know, the the traditional bonding session and that sort of stuff. It was. It was Pretty amazing, to be honest. New South Wales won game two, 16-12, so it was off to a decider. Before we get to the game itself, game three, Brisbane, Suncorp Stadium, full of maroon. What was it like just running out as the enemy? Yeah, it was um, It was different. It was very loud. Um, I think we had like nearly 80,000 in, in Sydney, and mm. that was an amazing experience. Like It was like an earthquake, but... You go up there and there's 40,000. It sounds like 180,000. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to say I hate Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> like everything that I look at the jersey and it just looks filthy. Like a, that's just the way we brought up. We that's brought right. Up. And I think that's what makes Origin That's what makes Origin beautiful. Like it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, like I, I, I've got so many good mates that are from Queensland and that, but we hate them. They hate us. Yeah. And, it was it was like enemy enemy territory. It was, it was but to say I played Origin on Suncorp Stadium was um, something I'd never forget. And unfortunately, Cooper Cronk, um, the brilliant player he was, he sunk sunk us from about forty five out with a field goal. So <laughs> yeah, it was twenty um, all you know. five minutes to go, and bloody Cooper Cronk delivered that knockout punch with a field goal. Unbelievable, but um, you know, it, it's I would have loved to have won an Origin series, but. Mm. I also super humbled that one I got to play for my state and represent uh, my state and also my family, but um, but also um, you know play against that amazing Queensland side like that's a one in one in a million yeah that's a generational thing and I've asked this question to a couple of guys Timmy you've seen enough footy is that Queensland side in and around that era quite possibly the best football side we've seen? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I speak to guys that are a bit older and they speak about, you know, way back when, the, yeah. the St. George um, era, and then, you know, the Parramatta through the 80s, that sort of era. Um, 
you know, I was coached by Brett Kenny and mm. he had a bit of an aura around him about how amazing that was. And then you talk club footy and Melbourne Storm have been amazing. And then, but for me and what I know about rugby league, there, there's been none, none better in one side. Um, when you talk like a mortal status and that, where would you get possible three guys? Yep. Um, you know, Greggy, um, you know, Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith, even Billy Slater. Like, where, where do you stop? Yeah. Um, you know, and then guys that probably don't get the recognition but were amazing, like you put um, Nate yeah. into a into a maroon jersey and you just go again. I'd say you'd grow another head because he used to use it going into tackles. He was that crazy. Yeah. But, um, mate, just right across the field. And then Petro, like I don't think there was any anyone better to wear a origin jersey than Petro. And I didn't get to see um, – Arthur Beetson playing, um, he's spoken about very fondly in, in our circles, but um, I'm sure that he, um, God bless him, if he was still alive, he'd speak um, highly of Petra as well in the, in the same calibre. Um, it's just ridiculous. Where do you stop? And, you know. You're retired now. What do you class as your career highlight? Would it have been representing your state? Yeah, I think I think so. I think representing my state, uh, even though it's a it's a personal accolade, I feel like for me that was I, I like the idea of that because it's everyone watches it throughout. Yeah. It's sort of you know they talk about the Melbourne Cup, the race that stops the nation. I think our game's got that, even if you're not you don't love the game. I agree. And for me, it was about everyone. Yeah, for me, it was it wasn't really about me. It was for everyone that sort of helped me along the way. Um, from you know under sixes or school or anything right through to that moment is to sit there and say that they knew me or they were proud of me or something like that. Like it was, it was more of a something to give back. But um, I think the my proudest moment is um, having a first grade number at Penrith. Um, that's yep. something that means a lot to me because I'm very proud of uh, where I'm from and my community. And um, you know to say that I played. Um, for my local local town and have a, a player number like uh, the I think we're nearly up to 600 mm. uh, the 600 other blokes is, is something that I'll uh, cherish forever Two Origins on the resume a wonderful career thanks for dropping in Timmy Grant chat again soon Would you like a personal message something nice something sweet something highly inappropriate and downright rude I can do that I'm on Swish now, whatever your occasion, whatever the message, go to heyswish.com, Swish, S-W-Y-S-H. Go there and search Andy Raymond. Whatever you want, whenever you want, consider it done a cool and a different present for that special occasion, or you don't even need an occasion. You might just want to give one of your mates a serve. Our guest has played every position except prop, I think. Extremely versatile and as tough as they come because physically he's not a giant. At 181 centimetres, about 89 kilos, Moses Mboy, am I on the money with where you have and haven't played on a footy field? Spot on, you got me, yeah, you got me there. Every yeah, I think I think you're dead right. Um, I think oh, what I am happy about is the extra two centimeters you gave me. I'm only one seventy nine, mate. Is that like right? Giant, I feel like a giant at one eighty one, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Your junior footy club was the mighty Noosa Pirates. What position did you play your junior footy at that made the Bulldogs take a good look at you? 
similar thing, to be honest. I um, you know, I jump between a lot of positions. I I spent a lot of time at five eight mm-hmm. in the juniors, um, and then in my final year, I spent a bit of time at hooker. But um, I guess at that level, you you know, if you're aware of the game a little bit more than others, the gap's bigger at that level, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's it's part footy, but um, so yeah, I, I was always kind of in the spine and had a pretty good understanding of the game at that age. So. Yeah, I spent a lot of time at number six. Okay, hypothetical question, because you blokes always answer the same way. You'll say, I'll play wherever is best for the team. So I'm going to ask it this way. Hypothetically, we're putting together the Noosa Pirates into the NRL for season 2023, and we want you as our inaugural captain. And we say to you, Moses, what position do you want to play and what's the position you won't play in? What's your answer? I would start at 5'8", and the position I wouldn't play, I wouldn't be playing prop, yeah. that's for sure. Positions <laughs> change and evolve, mate, even since your debut in 14. Wingers, back rowers in particular, I guess, their role has changed. The rule changes have expedited that. The So many positions on a footy field have had to alter a lot of what they have done in previous years. Yeah, bloody oath. Um, that's right. You, you've seen it so so much develop, especially even the middle forwards. Yep. I think um, those those big guys, you know, when I came in, we, we had blokes like Sam Cassiano who would just come on and they would throw three or four big hooks in, you know, 10 minutes. Yep. And um, it was just so effective. And now those, those guys, and they've kind of been – filtered out a little bit yep and the forwards now are so mobile um you know probably barring a, a nelson osofa solomona who's just mm. who's you know who, who's managed their system has just managed to get him into those games and be super effective so um the number 14 roles really developed now yeah. i think um i think that's nearly you know that that's that's nearly a uh the first guy picked or he's in he's in the conversation of the, you know around putting that starting te- starting team together. It nearly goes out to number fourteen now. So, um, and you've noticed uh, Melbourne again have have really nailed that that in particular with the with the rolling of um, of Harry Grant and Brandon Smith. The game's gone that way a little bit, and also um, the versatility of of back rowers. A lot of them can cover that centre row, or a lot of them can go into the front rows. So. I think that's that's the way the game has gone. It's it's been able to kill a lot of birds with one stone and 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 be really effective with the with with your um your, with your bench. Cool chat, mate. Do it again soon. Thanks, Andy. A 2013 debut for the West Tigers, who then moved to the Rabbitohs in 15 for a couple of seasons before joining the Mighty Eels in 2017. Nathan Brown has lobbed. Cool journey so far, mate. What stands out from your time at the Tigers? I think the obviously my debut. Yeah, and uh, uh, having having a good uh, under twenties, yeah, uh, under twenties uh, stint at the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, we had a had a good side, and yeah, won the comp there, and uh, really enjoyed uh, my time at the Tigers there. You know, had a you know built some great friendships and yep. uh, good memories. It was uh, definitely a fun time and. Yeah, obviously debuting, um, you know, when you're still able to play under 20, it was, you know, it was such, it was such a cool moment and yeah. it was a good time. 
The move to South Sydney, looking back, um, what stands out from your time at the Rabbitohs and are you happy you, you went there? Yeah, most definitely, Andy. Um, you know, I thought, you know, I, I definitely um, believe that, you know, going to going to the Rabbitohs, you know, helped me, um, you know, become a professional professional footy player, you know, sort of that direction and, you know, they're a great club and, you know, to spend, you know, a couple of years there, um, learning on some, you know, learning under some great players, um, yeah, really helped me, mate. So yeah, that was a kind of a blessing to, to um, yeah, spend two years there, and yeah, sort of, um, yeah, sort of, you know, kickstarted my um, my career there. Yeah, it certainly did. It was also probably a period of time where, you know, in terms of discipline and maturity, you grew up and and started forming into the player you wanted to to be. How much of that goes back to just personal discipline? Yeah, most definitely, mate. Um, you know, you can have all the good coaches and all the good programs and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, if you really don't want to make the change yourself, you know, nothing can work, mate. So, mm. yeah, it was, I had to, it was a, you know, a bit of a wake-up call going to South, you know. I had a lot of friends and stuff at, at Tigers and a lot of mates that are, you know, you paid footy with, you know, in your, in, in your juniors and stuff like that. And not knowing anyone from, from South was a new new change, new beginning. And, mm. um, you know, sort of, I mean, that... You know, everything happens for a reason and, um, yeah, going there def- definitely, um, you know, kind of work up, work up, I work up to myself and, yep. yeah, decided that, um, you know, professional footy players was the path that I wanted to go in. You joined Para, as I said, in 2017. When a player changes clubs, does much actually change about what you do, how you do it, or are you just fitting into a, a pretty similar type system? Um, you know, every club's different, but yeah, I guess that you know, sitting down with uh, with with Brad and and all the you know, Parramatta coaching staff um, when I was at South and before I signed, I knew that you know the the you know the footy they play and the yeah you know, their culture and stuff really would would suit me. So yeah. you know when you when you had that kind of you know information and stuff beforehand, um, and the club of feeling that you know when you sit down and have a chat with these coaches and, and stuff like that, that you know that, you know, this club will be the will be the right club for me. And yep. you know, once you once you yeah, once it's like a new day at school, I guess, you know, that day one and um, you know, but I, I guess you kind of know yourself that, you know, this is yeah, this is the team that you want to play for and this is the type of footy that you want to play. It goes quickly, my friend. Ten seasons almost as a professional player. What has changed about how you prepare and how you play compared to that first year? Yeah, massive, massive. Um, you know, over, over the over the years playing, you know, you obviously get get um, well, I get get used to your body and, and yep. get to know your body. I guess um, you know, it's the older you get, the more obviously harder it is on on your body, and you know, the the older you get, the more I guess the more professional you got to be and you know, you got to take it as um, you know. It is your you know your body is your number one. Without your body, you know you you obviously won't be playing. So yeah, it's you know you you probably you learned that from you know through your experiences yeah. with with injuries and stuff. You know, and once you're a young kid or once you just come to first grade, you kind of take things for granted and you you just um, I guess you know, yeah take things um, not not as professional. Yep. And, and once you do that, that's when the, when that's when you get your sort of your injuries and stuff, and that's when you you got to learn from your experiences. And, and if you don't, well, then you're only yourself to blame, and only things can 
can go downhill from there. So you learned that pretty quick, you know, through through that time. And um, yeah, the older you get, I guess, the more the more your your body has to, uh, the more you give. You got to give back to your body. Really cool insight, mate. I love that, and I always love chatting to you. We'll do it again soon, eh? No worries, man. Anytime. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, give us some love. Go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then whack in a five-star rating and a review. As random and weird-ass as you like, Funniest Weekly Review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. Yeah, bribery. Get to it, legends. And thanks to those of you well-hung beasts who left ratings and reviews. I know you're eight and a half inches plus, and on top of the world, you're huge and your reviews are huge for us. A special thanks to Toretto's Panthers for the awesome review. You win the unfiltered trucker's cap this week. We'll send it out soon, my man. It's that easy. Leave a review, win the cap. It's awesome to be teaming up with Retro Rugby League videos, a Facebook page for the hardcore and tragic footy fan just like us. From the old Commonwealth Bank Cup to first grade, the collection of videos weekly is insane. Check them out, legends. Go to Facebook and simply search Retro Rugby League Videos. You'll love it. Okay, let's try and build the perfect playmaker. All the things a half or a five-eighth needs to be good. We're going to try and combine, just for some fun, joining me one of the game's finest, most exciting young playmakers from the Newcastle Knights, Phoenix Crossland. Tough gig this one, mate, but we'll try and take a bit of everyone you've seen or you've played or you've watched. First question, what are we looking for to make a complete playmaker? What does a halfback need to do well? Yeah, I think the first thing he needs to do is be able to make his tackles. Yep. Um kick well and yeah, probably just pass well and then organisation obviously and owning the team off the back of that I reckon. Okay, who's the defensive halfback that, that you'd look to and say that's how it's done? Oh, I'd have to say yeah, I'd have to say Junior, Mitchell Pierce. Yep. He, he didn't always make his tackles but he's always there to put his body on the line. Yep, exactly right. Uh, the defensive game, such a, a huge part of the game for a halfback because you've got the back rowers just running at you all day mm-hmm. long. Uh, Andrew Johns, terrific defensive player, obviously now on the yeah. coaching staff. What about kicking game? Who's the Who are the kickers in the game that you've seen or played against and you just go, wow, that's that's awesome? Um, oh, I can't go past Nathan Cleary. He's, I think he's... He's got the best kick I've ever seen. And I've, like, even now and then the, when I was growing up, I can't remember anyone that's kicked mm. like him. Yeah, his accuracy and also his power too. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's the one thing. He's got a massive boot on him um, yeah. and, and plenty of variation. What about passing game? Um, who, do, who do you like for passing game that we can throw into this uh, into this perfect halfback? Um, uh, Jonathan Thurston, I reckon, has got the yep. – one of the best passes. I can not even just his long passes, but more mm. just his decision making and like his short balls. Like him and Gavin Cooper, the amount of tries they scored between each other's 
off the charts. But yeah, I'd have to say JT for passing. Yeah, that was absolutely ridiculous what JT mm. and, and Coops used to do. Um, love your running game. Whose running game do you love, mate? Cody Walker at the moment. Yeah. Like, he, every time he runs, he just looks scary. Mm. Jack Whiten as well. Um, because he's a bit of a bigger body, he can he does a lot. And uh, Matt Burton too. Yep. He's got a he's got a great running game. I remember versing him in SG ball and that, and it was always just his left foot was just you couldn't stop it. You knew it was coming, but you just couldn't stop it. So I probably have to say probably them three. Mate, uh, there's another big one. unit, Matt Burton and Jack White. Yeah. They've, they've got no right being in jersey number six. They should be eleven or twelve. They're monsters. Yeah, and they're good players too. Mate, as a halfback, can you see? Um, can you watch a game and know if a halfback's managing the game just by the flow of the game and and, and what they're doing? Um, yeah, I'm getting better at it. I think. Um, yeah, more like an organisation game management player, the definitely Cooper Cronk. Yeah, the way he can, like, he just can just win a game. Like the grand final, he played with his bu- his busted shoulder. Mm. That was a perfect example. He barely touched the ball, and he pretty much just was a coach out there managing the game. So yeah, he'd, he'd be the he'd be the one for that. That was amazing, wasn't it? And a really good uh, illustration of what a halfback's job is: pushing the troops around. Getting your hands on the mm. ball, obviously, when you can, but but just getting the team going in the right direction, according to the coach, and he did that with you know not a whole lot of stats and touches to show for it. Yeah, yeah, it was just it's like it highlights the importance of the work off the ball that everyone talks about, and like you watch that game, he mightn't touch the ball as much as he, but he was actually always on the ball, like always supporting and and around the ball, just telling people what to do. Yep, and. That just highlights what a halfback needs to do off the ball as well as on the ball. Absolutely. What a playmaker this combination is. He'd take up the whole salary cap by himself, I'd reckon. <laughs> Thanks for dropping in, mate. Really appreciate it. We'll chat again soon. Sounds good, mate. Thank you. This is Andy Raymond, Unfiltered, the Weekly Wodge. Our guest we've seen play both in the middle as a prop and on the edge as a back rower over his short but really impressive career. I'm not going to ask him which he prefers because I know the answer. He'll simply say, I'll play anywhere. So instead, I'm going to ask the Dragons, Josh Kerr, for his favourite or best part of playing both positions. Big fella, let's start with prop. Favourite part of playing in the middle? Oh, mate, thanks for having me again. Um, mate, I don't know. It's The fact that playing in the middle is legit the hardest thing ever, and I hate it. Because that physical, it's that tough, it's that grueling. But I think the best feeling is, mate, it, like for me, my goal is always something simple in a footy term. It's just to run out there, get a quick play to ball, run as hard as I can for a quick play to ball. And what happens off the back of that is the best feeling ever. Like I, I absolutely love like the fact that if I do it, you fight for a quick play to ball, someone might still be laying on it, you might get a penalty mm. or your, your team might make a break because the, off, the, other, the defensive side's not set properly. So... Mate, like I've been in a few positions like that, and there's nothing better than when the skipper is patting you on the back saying good work and something like that. A little thing that, you know, he probably doesn't really, you know, it's, it's not as cool as obviously getting a 100-meter intercept try, yeah. even though I would like it. But, mate, to do something like that, something little for the team, it's, it's pretty cool. Best part about back row or edge footy? Running at little people. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, no wonder why kick is absolute king at it, mate. It's, yeah. Mate. Um, but no, it's. I feel as though back row is just 
you know, you get to spend more time on the field. Yep. You actually have a bit more of an impact of what happens in the game because, you know, even on the edge, you know, my focus was getting the quick play to ball and um, make – but then as over time, I grew more confident. All right, I might even throw an offload here or I might actually have a tip on. And in doing that, being such a bigger body, you know, if I run with someone who I'm going to tip onto, they might just think I'm going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And it happened a few times where you could kind of generate something off of it. So – Little things like that, I still want to keep playing back row and learning it. However, like you said before, I, as long as I'm in that 17, mate, I don't even care. You said uh, big body, 197-ish centimetres, about 112 kegs. So you're a big unit. You're physically capable of playing both positions. Mate, is it is it easy or hard to move mid-game, uh, depending on obviously what happens with the replacements? But uh, say you start off on an edge – the coach puts an edge on and, and taps you on the shoulder and says you're going into the middle. I reckon that'd be a, a nightmare for me because you build up trying to formulate a game plan, get your head right, and all of a sudden you're playing a different game. Easy or hard for you? Yeah, um, I think it actually happened this year in one of the games and it actually kind of rattled me because I spent the entire week uh, training at back row and just thinking I was going to play back row. And then I think I think it was the day of the game or something like that. Um, uh, Hook came up and said to me, uh, yeah, I'm going to need you to play in the middle to start on the bench, come in the middle. And I've gone, oh, I, I didn't think about the plays or anything. I just thought, like, mate, stressed myself out. Yeah. That probably rattled me a bit. But, yeah, I don't know who's uh, giving me the good brownie points too, but, geez, I haven't been at 112 since under 20. So I think last year I was playing playing roughly 118, 119 in the oh, back row. Is I that know, wrong? very large. Hey, would, good- would you put on weight if you knew you were staying in the middle or is, is 117, 118 about it? I don't know. It's just whatever you feel that you can actually play at. Like yeah. Mary was always he had this philosophy. He really wanted fit forwards and fast and athletic forwards. And Hooks come in and he wants the bigger, yeah. you know, bulkier things. I just think the way the game's going, and this is in my personal opinion, mm. I think the way the game's going, it's speeding up a bit. So mm. I probably got a bit too heavy. But I was playing back row where you know if you kick it down the other side of the field, you kind of get a bit of a break mm. in a sense. So you can kind of find your breath in that way. But by the end of the year, he was throwing me in the, in the forwards. And, mate, the middle is just, oh. I know the backs get all the credit for scoring the mad tries, but, mate, people just don't understand how tough the middle is. And, you know, they're starting to. I know in the last few years, you know, they started bringing out their BB hard, hard index, whatever it's, I don't know whatever it's called. But, yeah. mate, people just got to understand that the middle is the toughest fucking thing that you can possibly do on the field. It's where the real men hang out. Always a pleasure, legend. Keep well. Good luck on the weekend. Like a legend, mate. Thanks for having me. Ah, take a breath and enjoy it. The footy is on and your weekend is sorted. Enjoy the game, order a pizza, grab a coldie, go hard on a five-leg multi, and don't forget, as always, back pikey in the last. Mm.